This is the How'd You Get Into That Podcast with Grant Baldwin, episode 56. Let's do it. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to episode 56 of the How'd You Get Into That Podcast. My name is Grant. Great to have you here with us. And uh, I'm just honored, delighted. I um, I'm slightly giddy that you are here today. It really does mean a lot. I really appreciate you. Uh, you made a wise decision to be here. We got a great guest for you today. Hey, before we get into that, I uh, I've, I've teased it to you over the past several weeks, but uh, I want to let you know. We have been working on this top secret project for the past several months, and we are about ready to give birth to it, about ready to share it with you. And so uh, I'm I'm just going to, you know what, I'm going to leave it at that for now. I'm going to tell you a little bit more after the interview with today's guest. So let's get to today's guest. Today we are joined by my friend Eric Schauer. Eric runs a a furniture manufacturing company called The Plaid Mill, and they make these custom, like nice, handmade, crafted, beautiful furniture wood pieces. Yeah, that was a horrible description, but they make some really cool furniture. So, all right, let's get into it. Here is the story with Eric uh, and his journey. I, you know what? I just butchered that whole thing. I should just edit that out, but we're going to leave it in. Here you go. Enjoy with Eric. All right, what is up? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today, I'm joined by my friend, Eric Schauer. Eric is the uh, the founder, owner, creator behind the Plaid Mill, which we are going to get into today. Eric, what is up, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on it. I've known Eric for, for many, many years, and the guy is just a, a stud of a dude. And uh, the guy has this really cool company. And, and once I, uh, I, 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 we hadn't kept in touch much. And, and then once I realized what I was doing, I was like, dude, you got to be on our show. And so it was actually, it was random. Like we ran into each other at Target, didn't we, or something? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. as soon as I went home, I was like, yeah, Eric, Eric needs to be on the show. People need to hear this story. So the plaid mill, what exactly is that? It sounds like you're cranking out plaid shirts, but I know it's not exactly <laughs> that. No, we, uh, we build high quality furniture. And so it's made out of solid wood and uh, we sell it at a reasonable price. And so it's all quality pieces and try to find designs that are in style. And uh, so we build them and we sell them online and ship them all over the place. So I mean, talking furniture, we're not talking like you're mass producing Ikea stuff. I mean, this is handmade, handcrafted stuff. Correct. Yeah. We try to we try to stay away from those folks. We don't like particle border veneers. We want a young couple to be able to go and go onto our site and find pieces that they can afford. And it'll be pieces that they can pass down to their children and uh, just last a really long time without costing a ton of money. Is this like just all your own designs or is this stuff that people are coming to asking for specific things or, or where are these pieces coming from? Yeah, a little bit of both. There's some items we've designed ourselves and then also there's items where people will say, hey, they shoot me a picture and say, can you do something like this? And we'll kind of go back and forth and, and find a medium and be able to build them something. And so some of those some of those ideas that customers came up with, they'll be ones that we sell time and time again. So the things that you come up with, though, it seems like, I mean, if you're doing this is all, you, know, you do a lot of uh, custom stuff and then you, it's all handcrafted. I mean, this sounds very, very, very labor intensive. Is that right? It is. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of labor and a lot of hours in the shop. And uh, it's, um, yeah, so there's a lot of... A so lot to make, like, it. let's say, and I, I know there's a lot of variables, but let's say to make just a, like, I'm looking at one here on your on your website, this mid-century dresser. So just a, a basic dresser, two columns, three drawers on each side. How long does it take to make, like, a standard dresser from hand? 
Um, I'll probably spend 15 to 20 hours building that. So all together. Crazy. So, I mean, this is, so part of the value for it is this, it's this, I guess there's almost like a story behind it and it isn't something like you just go pick up at some mass retailer, but there's, you know, this was handcrafted by, by someone. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, they, the people, they, we connect with them, they read about our story and we want to know about them. And so there's a, there's a connection there. And so that's something we've tried to, to build upon. And when one thing that we, we try to work with and, you know, Growing up, you know, you hear your great grandparents talk about going down the street and downtown. They would walk into a store and they could do business and shake hands. And for so long, we've been away from that style of business. But with technology and social media, people can follow along on our with our story on Facebook and Instagram and feel connected with us. And so that's something we've really tried to to build up. So in some yeah. ways, you're you're trying to build like that nostalgia of long ago of times of yore of whatever, and you're trying to bring that to today. Sounds like. Yeah, yeah, no, that, and that's what's great about social media and technology today. They can feel connected, no matter if they're California or just down the road. So that's so it's been a really, really big blessing for what we're trying to do. Where does that interest in like making something handcrafted even come from? Growing up, my dad started a business in the garage, and so we were as a part of that business all growing up. And so I got to see him work with his hands and and talk to people from all over the country and all over the world when we would ship it out and stuff. And so. Seeing and being a part of, of building something and, and going to uh, New York City and seeing your uh, item that you've that you built in a building that was just really cool. And so it's, it's something I wanted to have built, built into what I'm doing. What was it that your parents were working on? My dad invented a flat profile coat hook. So it was to replace the protruding coats that stick out from the walls. And it was a really niche market and there wasn't a lot of – there wasn't really anybody else doing that. And so he came up with uh, – with a plastic coat hook that sticks straight up and down. And, and so it's a safety product for schools and churches all across the, all across the globe. So we, that's where I learned how to do and how to use tools and everything else. So we take and we'll customize a complete system. Now it includes coat racks and shelvings and we would make them and ship them out to all kinds of different places. So, so it sounds like they're just, you know, at the time they're just creating a better mousetrap. Correct. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So whenever you're doing that, you're kind of helping and and just kind of getting your feet wet as a kid in the business. Is it immediately resonating? Like there's just, there's something, something magical about creating something with your hands or is it more like, well, you know, dad's making me do this. I'm just along for the ride or (laughs) what what are you kind of thinking? Yeah, no, I definitely enjoyed building and creating and and getting to work with my hands. And, and, you know, as a mean, my dad always said he never wanted us to have to create a resume to work for somebody else. And so he, always instilled in us. And it was the same thing for his father. He taught him how to, to run the business. And so if he ever needed to take over, he could. And that's the way he brought up me and my brothers. And so for me, I was looking for an avenue to, to work with my hands and be able to be self-employed and do my own thing. So that self-employment, I mean, that's always been in your family. So even growing up, was there ever any idea that you'd, you'd, you know, you'd just get a traditional job or was it like, like self-employment's all I know. So this is the path I want to stay on. Yeah, no, it was never it was never an option for me. I I saw my folks run their own business, and it's something I knew I wanted to do. And so, getting a, a job was always a lot of the question. So, from a young age, I was always thinking about what I could be doing or or what I could be creating to make 
make a living yeah. on my own. It's interesting. There's a, a buddy of mine who, who calls it proudly unemployable. And I said, sometimes I, I feel like that where, you know, I, I guess if I had to, I could work in a company, but I, I, I feel like at this point I would make a really crappy employee. Like I, it's, I mean, there's some people that are just, you're just wired to do your own deal and to create your own thing. And there, I mean, obviously, as you know, there's massive highs and there's massive lows with that, but uh, it's part of the, part of the joy of, of entrepreneurship. No, Definitely. So growing up, you knew you wanted to do something on your own of some form. Was it always you wanted to do something with, with, with wood and with creating something and building something? Or is it more that just kind of evolved into something? Or, or how did that kind of come to be? Yeah, no, it was, um, I didn't know it would always be with my hands or building with wood or anything else. And my wife and I, we've been married for three and a half years. And so when we set out to go look at furniture and purchase it, you know, we'd walk through these furniture stores and, you know, being in the manufacturing realm, I knew what materials cost and everything else. And I look at this stuff and I said, I could build this and it could be for a, a lot less money and more and better quality materials. And so as we begin to look and I build a few pieces for our home, you know, I realized there was a need for that. And there was a need for, for pieces being built well and made well at a, a reasonable price. And so so that's kind of what what started that just furniture shopping and and seeing what was out there. It's interesting how like a random experience like furniture shopping with your wife leads to a whole business. You know what I mean? It is. No, like just kind of this random thing like, well, let's just look and see what's out there. And I think that that's I think there's a great analogy or just a great point there that so many people what they're doing today is because they found some gap in the market or it's one of those things where it's like I was looking for something it didn't exist, so why not just create it myself or just seeing what's out there and what does exist knowing that I could do it better or I could offer it in a different way. Even like sounds like what your dad did of going like, you know, there's plenty of coat racks that exist in the world, but I feel like I could make a better one or a safer one or a different one than what currently is on the market. Yeah, no, definitely. Nice. So whenever you, whenever you, you see this at the time, what are you, what are you doing in terms of a career? We're helping uh, my wife and I, we're helping uh, our family business. And so we, I was helping run, run the manufacturing side of it and doing sales. And so we were, we were helping with that. And so, so we were neck deep into, into the family business and her and I shared an office, and that was fun. So <laughs> I was going to say, then it's, you, you say that with a little mixed emotion. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So whenever you are, uh, you're, you're working for the family business, you go to the store, you see this need in the market. What's one of your next steps? We decided at that point in time, it was, you know, we've, we've helped the business, and it's, we've learned a lot from them. So we felt like we could step out on our own. So we decided in uh, February of 2013, said, you know, let's take a step and let's try this. And Alex, you know, my wife believed in me. And so she went back and she got a job working until I could bring her on full time. And then, so she stepped out and got a job and kind of helped me and we, we begun. So I had some, some friends who had a, actually had a barn behind their property and had just dirt floors and we ran some power out to it and got our start and got a few tools out there and got our start for, we were in there for four months. So, so whenever you started there, did you, well, first of all, let's back up a little bit. So when you decide to make this leap, like what caused you to end up finally making that leap? Cause it's one of those things you could have gone to the store, you could have seen the need there and you could have gone back and worked for your dad and, and may have been just as content doing that. So what was it that triggered you to finally be like, ah, I got to give this a shot. I, I got to actually do this rather than just continuing to, to work for the family business. Well, it, I knew to, uh, to dive into it, I had to be in it kind of all the way that per, I'm, you know, if I'm not in it 100%, then, 
then uh, I'm not in it at all. And so I knew I had to be hungry for it. So I wanted to put myself in a position where where I had to be dependent on it and to make a living. And so I knew if I stepped out all the way that I would, it would be tough for first little bit, but then we would, we would make it work. And so it was really out of just creating hunger and hustle to make it happen. So whenever you start the the business, whenever or actually I guess before that, whenever you go and you talk with your with your family about it, was it kind of expected that you were going to eventually take over the, the existing family business? It'd been talked about, and so they they you know we I've got other brothers who are really involved, and you know they were they were interested as well. But yeah, so there was I mean I think they were a little bit surprised that I didn't want to didn't want to hang around, but they were definitely supportive and wanted to support me in my decision. And, and so I still, we still have a great relationship and if I can help them, I do. And they, they still have been a huge help to me through this time as well. And I think that's a great point there that, that there's a lot of people that I've talked to, you know, both on the show and then offline, people have emailed in who've said, you know, I really, there's this one thing over here that I really, really want to do, but I feel trapped. And part of it is because of my parents and, and not necessarily in a negative way, but, you know, it's kind of this unspoken that I'm going to take over the family business or, you know, my grandpa was a lawyer and my dad was a lawyer and it's kind of expected that I'm going to become a lawyer or whatever that thing is where they just feel trapped. And I think it's just difficult for some people to just turn the page and feel like, man, at the end of the day, I have to be the one that enjoys what I'm doing. And so if I'm making my, my parents happy by, by carrying on the torch, but I'm dying inside of this dream that will, what could have been, you can't sustain that for real long. No. Yeah. It was kind of like ripping off the bandaid. We just, we we did it quick and, and, and we moved on quick. And so it worked, it worked out well and it was the best way to do it. So were you nervous going into talking about them? Or talk with him? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I had a large role there, but I had another brother who was able to to step up, and it's been great for him. And he's really taken taken on a lot of the, the leadership of some of those roles. And but yeah, no, it was definitely it was definitely tough because it was all I knew at the time. Yeah, and, uh, it was my security. So yeah, it was definitely definitely tough. So at the time before you have that conversation, where are you at in the furniture business? I mean, have you built anything? Are you starting to build some stuff? Are you starting to gain some sales or where, where do things stand there? Yeah, we had, uh, we'd started pushing a few sales online and the stuff that we were making at the shop and the free time and so forth, but um, we hadn't devoted our, our full effort to it. And so it wasn't anything that was extremely strong. And so it was really just, uh, taking a step taking a step and saying, you know what, I know we can make it work and um, we'll just give it everything we've got. We've got no choice but to make it work. And so it uh, wasn't, uh, you know, uh, a lot of folks, they, and it's, it's highly recommended, you know, you have things built up and you have a security built up. And so for us in that time, it, it wasn't, we didn't have that. And, but it created a lot of hustle in us and a lot of hunger to make it work. And uh, thankfully, it did work out, and I know it doesn't work out for anybody, but we've been just incredibly blessed. Did you have any type of savings or any type of safety net there? Uh, you know, a little bit, and we ideally we would have loved to have done it all debt-free, and that's what I watched my parents do. They they grew their business slowly and, and you know built it as they could afford it, and that took a lot longer. And so watching that grow up, I decided, you know, I'm going to take a different approach. And so we had a, a family friend, and we were able to get a, a great loan to kind of get a few tools and get started. And so we knew that uh, that's not the ideal, but it allowed us to get started more quickly. And in my mind, it shaved, you know, it shaved months, if not years off of kind of the startup and wh- 
growing it slowly and kind of watching what my parents did. And so it saved, there was definitely downsides of bringing on debt, but then there's been some plus sides to it as well. Whenever you are, are starting, you said you're, you're doing a, you're building a couple pieces on the side, you're selling a few of them here and there. And you, there, you kind of have that feeling like if I really, if I really went at this full time, I feel like I, I could make it work. What was it that made you feel like you could make it work? Like I'm thinking if I'm listening to this right now, maybe I've got my side thing and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gaining some traction, but I don't know if there's enough there to make it work. And so going from the unknown or going from the known to the unknown is just a, a massive leap of faith, especially like in your case, when you're just like, there's little to no savings or safety net there. So what was it about what, what the traction you were seeing that made you feel like, yeah, I, I'm pretty confident if we jump in that we're going to be able to make this work? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's a little bit being a little bit naive sometimes. So if you know the full story ahead of time, you're not going to, you might not decide to go down that same path. Right. But it's being uh, a little a little naive, I guess. Um, and just knowing, you know what, if I put myself in the situation, I got to, it's got to be determined on how hard I can hustle and how hard I can, I can work. And, and so I just taking a, taking a step of faith and believe it in yourself and saying, you know what, uh, at least I know I tried and, uh, you can look back and, and whether it worked or whether it didn't and say, you know what, I gave it a shot. And so, and I guess being an entrepreneur, you always believe for the best and, uh, whether you believe you can, yeah, it's just whether or not you can believe you can do it or not. And so sometimes we believe in ourselves to a fault sometimes, and but you learn with learn with that as you go. Yeah. Uh, two things you said there that I think that really resonated with me that I think I've heard a lot of people say is, one, it helps to be just just slightly naive. You know, you don't want to go into a new endeavor or project as just a complete idiot. Like, you really want to think it through and, and plan some stuff out. But... If you if you fast forward and saw how it all was going to play out, you may not have taken the first step in the you know in the first place. So it helps to just slightly have your head in the sand, no, like like this could go great or this could be a massive failure. But the other thing I think you said there that I think is so true is the idea of regret. You know, there's I always say there, there's two types of regret in life. There's the things that you do that you wish you hadn't done, and we've all done our fair share of stupid. But then there's the things that you didn't do that you wish you had tried. And it sounds like for you, it was kind of one of those things where you know, in the moment, it's like, I have to give this a shot. I can't not try this. And it's like, it's, I'd almost rather try it and it'd be a huge flop than get to my end of my life or a different season of life and just look back and be like, man, I wonder, I wonder what would have happened if I would have tried that whole furniture idea. Yeah, no, definitely. So whenever you are, are, you leave the safety security of working with the family business, you start your own business, is it just immediate traction right away or how long does it take before it's really kind of getting up and going? It wasn't immediate traction. We were, uh, there was a lot of custom orders around town and everything else and we knew to grow it and to scale it, we would have to, you know, start pushing it online and growing it online. And so it took some, it took some time. And to be honest with added all the more fuel to the fire is we found out that, uh, that next spring about a year later that my wife was expecting. And so that really, when you know you have a, a little one on the way that, uh, definitely amps up. And so it's like, well, can't play around with this anymore. It's gotta <laughs> be, it's gotta be secure. And so, and for her, I wanted her to have, you know, and we were getting to a point where it was, uh, where it took another step of faith there where we need more help with managing online, our, our sales and, and so forth and kind of our online presence and our website. And so we decided, you know, let's take another step of faith. And we had her leave her uh, job and, and it was a, it was the right move. And it really was able to, to amp it up to 
where we are now. We we had tremendous growth after after we made that decision. So the, the, I had a similar experience where there, there's nothing like bringing a kid into the world to just like change everything in your perspective. And you're like, okay, we really got to evaluate now. Uh, and it's always, it's always funny. I always hear people who say when they or their spouse got pregnant or whenever they lost their job. And those are the two <laughs> things that people say a lot of like, those things really cause me to evaluate things. So hopefully we're not uh, endorsing people either go get pregnant or, uh, or go get laid off or something in order no. to ask some of those deeper questions. But yeah, there's nothing like it to just really bring some perspective into life. Like w- w- I have to make this work. And that's kind of, I-, I felt similar whenever I started my speaking business, you know, several years ago, it's like, I, I don't have a choice. I've got a, you know, a new dependent that is, is counting on me here to make this work. And so I, I have to figure this out and I have to make it work. So there's something valuable about having your back against the wall. Like I've got to figure this out. This has got to, this has got to come together. Yeah. So whenever she comes on the business and she joins you there, what changed in the business that, that helped it continue to push forward? We're able to really push our brand online and we're able to, to really sit down and focus. Okay. Where are our eyes that are from people who are, are purchasing furniture. And so we were able to really hone in on some, some creative marketing to, to be able to push our, our, our brand online and to be able to make online sales. And so it's just, it wasn't anything I'm building as much as I can during the day and, and at night a lot of times. And so it wasn't anything I could focus on, but she could, she could take time and really uh, work on posting and work on the websites and find out where people are looking. And so that made a huge difference, just having someone focus on that aspect of it. How do you figure that out of where some of that traffic's coming from? Because I'm thinking about, you know, uh, with what you guys are doing, whether it's furniture or any type of like handmade good, whether that be you're creating some type of, of paper product on Etsy or you're making jewelry that you're selling at the local flea market or something or, or, or craft sale or whatever. But how do you actually figure out where some people are coming from so that you know where to go market your, your product? That's a great question. Well, we looked uh, a lot. Uh, Instagram is really big for for what we're doing, and so we looked at that. We looked at hashtags. What are people using? And uh, another one that's been huge for us is Etsy. And so it's a it's a great it's a great place, and there's already a lot of eyes on it. And so we we looked at that. And we looked at okay, who is who's selling really well? How are they doing it? And so we were able to take a lot of those angles to it and and find out what they're doing correctly and apply it to our business. I think that's a great lesson there that, you know, sometimes one of the best things you can do is just looking and seeing what other people are doing that's already out there. And I think sometimes when you're just getting started with something, you're like, I don't, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And it's tough to know what's working or what's not working. So instead of trying to feel the need to reinvent the wheel of just looking around and saying, what are there other people doing that's, that's obviously working for them? That's more than just like you're saying that the mass retailer or the Ikea's of the world, but the proverbial mon pause shops of the world, what are they yeah. doing to actually sell uh, their furniture? Now, one of the things I wonder about is, is given what you do, it's not like, I mean, you're making these significant, like massive furniture pieces. It's not like you just fold it up and put it in a UPS box. So how do you expand a business beyond what's just local? Yeah, no, that's uh, great. And that's where we had, um, you know, experience shipping stuff with my family business. And so we were we were able to take, we know the parameters that UPS had. And so we were able to say, okay, let's design something. So the customer, if they need to assemble it, it's just a few pieces and it's tools that they'll have already. So we kind of looked to see, okay, what can we fit in a UPS box that can go ground? And then we had experience with freight. And so 
uh, it's just doing a lot of a lot of research, and so we knew what freight companies we could use, and we were just on the phone a lot, and then finding out the the best ones and how to get a good rate and some things like that. So it just took a lot of a lot of research. So we, so yeah, and we're still learning it. So we're still trying to put it together and build relationships, and it's uh, definitely a process, and it's not it's not the easiest. But again, if everybody if it was easy, everybody would doing it, be sure. doing it, and so so yeah, it just takes a takes a lot of research. So for people that are, are that, that may have some type of local business, what would you say to them that would help them to kind of think beyond just what their local thing is? So, you know, if, let's say let's say I make wedding cakes, you know, and you would think that that's going to just be a local thing that is really only it's really limited geographically. So how do you take something that you would would seemingly be just a local business and kind of scale it beyond just your own little area? Yeah, no, that's a great, it's a great point. And so you know, if if you offer something that's that's interesting and it's niche, and it might not be in another local community, and so really getting it online and building a presence online and trying to figure out where people are looking, you know, so if they're looking for for wedding cakes and you're posting them on Instagram and you're hashtagging it, and finding an avenue to to get it there, and so people uh, are willing if you offer something that's of quality and it's creative and and uh, and it's something unique, people are willing to pay for the shipping, and so it's just. It's being willing to do the hard work to find out how to get it there. What are the what are good rates that I can get, and and finding a, you know, shipping company or freight company or or the best method to get it out there. But yeah, it sounds like whenever you know when you're you're starting, like your local market is really all that you know. But then there's that. It's kind of like well, if let's say that I, I sold it to someone who's a thousand miles away. Then you have to really think through the logistics of how do I put this in a box and how do I get this from point A to point B without feeling the need for me to personally get on a truck and, and hand deliver it to them. So I mean, you're you're building all this smack dab in the, the middle of the U.S. And, and Missouri. So where all are you are you selling most of your products? Well, a lot of it's on the East Coast and the West Coast, and uh, that's a great thing about being in the Midwest. It's well, first of all for us the the wood is an abundant resource and. So we and our cost of living is lower, so that's what's that's what's great, and that's why we find you know we can we can price it in such a way where we're making we're making profit on it, and but it's also very reasonable to people on the east coast and the west coast because for them to have something custom made, it's a lot more expensive because of the the labor and just geographically where they're at, and so that's been that's been a huge plus being based based out of the Midwest. But you live in the Midwest, so how are people finding out about you on each coast? Really, a lot of them. We've tried to our, our best with SEO, and so people are Googling and finding us. Uh, we're on Etsy, and so that's been huge, and um, there's a lot of eyes there. And so just having an online presence and pushing the brand online has been the, been the biggest thing. Cool. Let's, let's start to wrap up with this. If you were looking back whenever you made that transition to start your own deal and you're going from the known to the unknown, is there anything that you would do differently or what advice would you give to someone who's kind of at that spot where it's like, okay, I've got something starting to come together. I don't know if it's enough. Um, I think if I, may, if I went full time, I think I could make this work, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, what advice would you, would you give to them? Yeah, obviously you want to soften the blow as, as hard as or as much as you can. So, if, but uh, if you believe in yourself and you've got the hustle to make it work, and you, you know if you're willing to to work like nobody else to make it happen, then uh, you know step out for it. And 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 I think you're you'll find out that your hustle and your your ability to want to to make it for yourself will carry you a long ways. And if you're willing to to serve the customer well, people will notice. 
and the word will get out there and um, it'll it'll be it'll do surprisingly well cool hey uh, for people that are a lot of people maybe listen to this and they're just like okay I I gotta actually see this furniture where can we go to check more out and where where can we find out more about you Uh, our website theplaidmill.com you can find us there we're on Instagram at theplaidmill and on Twitter at theplaidmill and we all get what, like a fifty percent discount coupon or something for anything <laughs> yeah, that we order, like that. something <laughs> like that. What's your uh, just out of curiosity? What's your most popular piece? Our mid-century pieces are definitely our most popular. So we sell a lot of the mid-century dresser and mid-century nightstands. Nice. And so, do you have anybody else that's working there with you? We do. We're starting to bring. Just brought on a product designer, and we're hiring right now. So if, if anybody's in the in the Ozark, Missouri area, we're hiring for furniture builders. So we've got a couple guys working with us now, but we're looking to expand. Nice. Very cool. Eric, good talking with you, man. Appreciate you sharing your journey with us and we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Grant. Boom. There goes the dynamite. Hope you enjoyed that interview with uh, with Eric Shower of the Plaid Mill. Great story there. I loved hearing his stuff of, of how he, you know, when he was making that transition from uh, his family business into doing his own deal. And he was just kind of like, you know what, I'll just, I, I just have confidence in myself and it's going to work out. And I, I love what he talked about and where it's like, just don't live with regret. Don't get to the end of your life and be like, man, I wish I would have given that a shot. I think I could have made that work, but I, I will never know because I didn't, I didn't try. And so he always seemed like he just kind of took the approach of, you know, I'll just, we'll just figure it out and we'll try it. And if it works great and if it doesn't work, that's okay, but I'm willing to at least give it a shot. So uh, really great stuff. If you want to check out Eric and his site, the plaid mill, what it is that they're doing, some of the furniture pieces, maybe you need to order one for your living room or kitchen or bedroom. You can go to grantbaldon.com slash Eric shower and check that out. A-R-I-C uh, shower, S-C-H-A-U-A. A-U-E-R. Yeah, we got that right. Uh, Grandbuilder.com slash Eric Shower and check that out. All right, so I told you that we've been working on this uh, this top secret project for the past several months. We were about ready to uh, release it into the world, release the beast, release the kraken, uh, as they might say. This is a course that uh, we have had a lot of people asking for. You know, a lot of people just feel trapped. They feel stuck in their career. They have no idea what they want to do. They feel like they're on a dead end. Uh, they feel like they're just they're just they're trapped in what it is that they're doing, but they don't know what they would rather be doing. And so we have uh, we found that one of the biggest things that people are looking for, they're just looking for clarity. Maybe you can resonate that. Maybe you can identify with that, that that, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for clarity. You're looking for, I I want to know what I was put on this planet to do. I know that the thing that I'm doing today isn't the thing that I want to do with the rest of my life. I just don't know what the other thing is. I don't know not only what that is, but I don't even know how to begin to find it. And so what we've done is we've worked with a team of people over the past several months to, to create a strategy, to create a plan, to create a course, to create a, a path for you to find and do work you love. So we've got eight weeks worth of lessons, interviews with experts, activities where you're putting what you're learning into practice. You're applying some of this information. And we've got a forum and community of people who are as weird as you who are trying to figure it out as well. So really, really excited about that. If you want to uh, know more about the, the course and what it is that, that's, that's coming out, you can go to Clarity Course course.com. 
Again, that's claritycourse.com. There you can, uh, if you want, you can put in your email address. We're going to keep you updated on what's coming up. But really good stuff you're going to be hearing about in the next coming weeks of when you can get your hands on this bad boy. Super, super excited about this. I really think this is going to have a huge, huge impact in a lot of people's lives. So excited to share it with you. Hey, uh, that about wraps up this episode. As always, feel free to email me if there's anything I can do for you. You can email me grant at grantbaldwin.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at grantbaldwin. And anytime, anytime at all, you're just like, man, I don't know. Should I email Grant? Should I not? You know, he just says that. But for reals, people, email me. Let me know what I can do to help you support you on your journey. So that wraps up episode 56. We will be coming at you uh, next week uh, with 57. So have a great weekend, great rest of the week, and we will talk to you later. Peace. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.